Good evening and welcome to Slam the Gavel, the show that tells it all regarding family court, other court issues, as well as CPS. I am your host, Mary Ann Petrie. This episode of Slam the Gavel is sponsored by CPS Protect Consulting Services. A child protective services case is one of the most frightening experiences for any parent. Don't face it alone. Face it with confidence. With urgent assist by CPS Protect, you can have access to former CPS investigators to make sure you preserve your rights and protect your family. If you're facing CPS involvement and aren't sure where to turn, their child welfare Welfare consultants can help you. Visit cpsprotect.com forward slash subscribe and enter the coupon code SLAMTHEGAVEL for 10% off your first year of Urgent Assist. And Urgent Assist is available in all 50 states. Now I have another announcement. Bradley's mother, Narcus Golan, passed away approximately four to five months ago. He Bradley is autistic and needs structured routine and therapies he receives for his autism six days a week. However, Italy just entrusted Bradley to Italian social services. If he is ruled to go back, he will face the next three to four years in the Italian foster care system where he can't speak or understand the language. He will be then taken away from the only family he has ever known. Please call Governor Hochul, New York State, at 518-474-8390 to voice your concerns to please keep Bradley here in these United States. That's 518-474-8390, hashtag keep Bradley safe. I have a return guest. I have Jocelyn Wolf back on. She was last on the podcast October 17th, 2022, Season 3, Episode 132, where we discussed the collusion within the family court system and the parental alienation tactics used on her children. Now, Jocelyn is a graduate of Goucher College and attended Johns Hopkins University. She is also a global goodwill ambassador, also an awardee, She Economy Conference in Bangladesh, and presenter on how fake news erodes the social fabric. Jocelyn is a recipient of various journalism fellowships and civic awards. Former commissioner with the Women's Commission in her resident state of Maryland, Jocelyn is a survivor of domestic violence, marital rape, and extreme narcissistic abuse. She's also the author of a children's book, playwright and creator of Circle Sex by J and Company, TM. She is also a publisher of Focus Women magazine, intern supervisor to students interested in journalism. Jocelyn has been instrumental in getting legislation passed in her state and signed into law by the governor, which is now a case study in high school civics textbooks. Recently in 2021, Jocelyn gave testimony on behalf of a domestic domestic violence bill that would require most parties of the court to report abuse and neglect in cases of domestic violence. And I welcome you back, Jocelyn Wolf. Thank you. I'd like to, I'm so glad to have you back on. We're going to talk about these horrific elements of course of control and how they have affected your life, our lives other people's lives, and I welcome you to Slam the Gavel. Thank you for having me, Marianne. It's a pleasure to be back. Oh, I'm so glad we're here to talk about this because a lot of people don't understand course of control and they don't realize it's an element of domestic violence. No, they don't. 
you know, so you also, with your divorce, you had an issue with a quit claim deed that he was supposed to sign 30 days after the divorce, but yet he dragged it out and dragged it out until he eventually signed it. Was it four years later? Yes, exactly. Um, when we divorced, the order required him to sign off on um, a quick claim deed, um, which would have given me the home. Um, and also the divorce attorney, which were to the wise, if you think for once that the person or, or you question the person who's representing you in the beginning is not doing what you think they should be doing and not the advocate they should be, get rid of them. It's better that you mm -hmm. take care of that in the beginning rather than see losses at the end. And particularly when you're divorcing a narcissist, but, um, and someone who um, engages in um, high conflict divorce and, mm -hmm. and, and of course, coercive control. Um, he uh, actually uh, did not sign off on it until years later. We're talking about the quick claim deed. Um, I had to hire an attorney. I had to pay fees for an attorney to finally get him to compel. And it wasn't until he was threatened with contempt, which mm -hmm. could have potentially led to uh, some kind of um, uh, uh, arrest, um, mm -hmm. did he finally comply, but he did it two days prior to um, the agreement that I would have to either sell the home or refi a loan um, for a mortgage. So had that not been done, by actually, I said July 17th, but it's actually July 1st, when the first child, a month after the first child graduated from high school, mm -hmm. I would have not had a home. Mm -hmm. So um, there was another example involving the home where he took his possessions in the very beginning of the divorce, but then waited and held out and kept two or three possessions in the home and the thought of him coming into the home after being so traumatized was more than I could bear. Mm -hmm. So that was another example of coercive control. The fact that he would have to come into the homes to secure two or three furnishings that he had not used for more than four years. Um, I actually hired someone to remove the belongings and to deliver them to him. Um, but again, another example of his four years later having wanting to create a scenario where he would enter the home to collect his things and be confrontational because that's typically mm -hmm. his baseline behavior. You know, it seems with that situation, someone like that obviously has, you know, a personality disorder oppositional defiant. Mm -hmm. I'm not a psychiatrist. I can't mm -hmm. say what he is, but mm -hmm. you know, he's someone that would not let go mm -hmm. and just create more havoc. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And that's what he did um, throughout our uh, marriage. And even when we were divorcing, not including me in certain, with certain kinds of communication, like if he was taking the girls away for the weekend, not including me in, the, in that information, with that information, um, not telling me about the uh, soccer games 
and the other events that they were involved in so that it would look like he showed up and he could get people as witnesses to say, oh yeah, we see him all the time at the soccer games. You see the mom? No, never saw the mom. So that also, um, that coercive control entered in his not informing me what team they were on. So I couldn't call and find out, oh, if I call this club, then maybe I'll know the schedule. What, who the, uh, who, who the um, uh, coaches were, uh, or when I did find out it was too late because they were, they were with another coach or another club, um, those kinds of things uh, did transpire. And you were probably always the last to know. Absolutely. And that was often deliberate. Even when the younger one was in high school, he would take her away for the weekend. She was in an IV program. He'd take her away for the weekend when she had very important things uh, to complete uh-huh. um very uh challenging assignments or assignments that needed to be completed that were critical to her success and that was another example um interfering with her success uh. so um or taking her away to a state where she wasn't supposed to be because of covid restrictions so she couldn't begin school after the weekend she stayed in that particular state um in person she couldn't get in-person instruction so another example of coercive control but using the children mm-hmm. was the most painful thing to bear witness to because they have suffered quite a bit yeah that's that's really terrible uh, that's a sick individual that mm-hmm. does things like this right and he even and, went- and just to mention, um, and I would have sent this to you, but he um, had uh, several uh, medications that he took. One was for anti-anxiety, anti-anxiety. Another was for bipolar. Another was for um, uh, anti-psychotic um, episodes. So yeah, he certainly was supposed to take medication, and he was not compliant. So you definitely hit it on the, on the nail. Well, it's always because, you know, we're the problem. Oh yeah. He said, because he was in a bad marriage, you had to take that. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And and we're always at fault for everything. And again, last to know, especially when my son broke his leg at gym class, I was the last to know Mm -hmm. (laughs) they Mm -hmm. all do this. Mm -hmm. This is a pattern of the extension of another arm of domestic violence. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, my name was on the school um, contact list, but I was never notified when, or rarely, rarely notified when my eldest had any issues or anything. Rarely. And I'm glad you brought that up because. And I went to the school and said yes. something and they sided with him. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I totally understand because it's so familiar to me. Sometimes I wasn't even put on the contact list. I would have mm-hmm. to go to the school and mm-hmm. put my name on the contact list mm-hmm. until mm-hmm. I was never called if anything mm-hmm. happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, t- and he also, you, you were telling me earlier when we were talking that he mm-hmm. also forged your signature on a tax return refund and rerouted it to his post office box yes, and then whited out your address. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he's committed all this fraud, but yet 
he waltzes around like nothing happened. Yeah, exactly. Um, he exactly he he took um, whited out the address on the tax return, and I don't know why that wasn't even looked at as suspect. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, then he gets a check that was sent to his post office box. He forges it and it puts it in his puts it inside of his uh, his account. And someone said, "Well, were you still married?" I said, "Yes." What I said, someone said, "Well, it could be considered marital property." Regardless, um, the the state's attorney called me on the phone. I still remember as if it was yesterday and said, I'm telling you what he said. He says you're trying to win a custody case. That's what she says. She says that I'm dropping it. But it doesn't take away from the fact that he committed mail fraud. Mm-hmm. He committed bank fraud. He committed forgery. So it doesn't matter. Look what he and it shows ill ill intent because he had it rerouted to his post office box. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He was able to coercively create the scenario where he was protected Mm -hmm. from his crimes. Not one crime, but more than one crime. And I'm sure there's more, like probably lying by omission. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, there were um uh, there was an attorney who represented him who was not supposed to because I had confided in this attorney and shared some things and I thought it was a way to have a friend mend a friend mm-hmm. and there's no way that he should have he should have uh, um, uh, represented him because he knew so much about our personal lives both of ours mm-hmm. yeah. um, so and he even he even put it in writing so you know I can prove it open it up whatever yeah definitely that's by omission too and he was the one who seemed so afraid when the child pornography info came out that Mm -hmm. attorney can't figure out why but he was very he seemed very very nervous very afraid and I don't know why Mm. but um nonetheless no he should have never represented him he what I mean it's against the ethics and even now, like he has his, his last attorney, um, he lied and said, another example of coercive control, he lied and said he was furloughed. So of course I find out if he's indeed furloughed, his boss says he's not furloughed and he says he's not furloughed and he talks to someone and says, I'm not furloughed. So he takes me to court under the pretense saying that he's furloughed. That's another example, coercive control, taking me back to court. So I have to pay lawyer's fees. So I have to pay for a lawyer um, and court fees. So yeah, I, again, through omission, but also through just extreme deceitfulness, mm-hmm. which goes back to what I may have mentioned in, in a prior episode, which are, you know, there there's a triad of evil, these triad of traits that social that serial killers share mm-hmm. and this Machiavellianism, which is you know that real conniving kind of nature and then that extreme deceitfulness that you don't even know how to yeah. <laughs> think or scheme yeah. in that way and mm-hmm. you don't even know that kind of level of deceit even existed and then there's the sociopathy which is the lack of of empathy so he certainly shares those three traits you know, I never saw this coming in my situation when you're dating and everything's hunky-dory for a while. Mm-hmm. And even when you you marry, it's hunky-dory mm-hmm. for a while. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. the cracks start showing in the plaster. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Exactly. How long did good analogy? How, how long did it take for you to notice with the crack showing in the plaster? Well, honestly, he was very good at hiding his true nature Mm -hmm. and they would come out now and then, but someone would say, well, you know, he's a type A personality. That was the the term at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, he's a trial attorney, so he's going to have those moments. Mm -hmm. And I would, I would explain it away and that sort of thing. But yeah, and I can even recall how he would go into the bathroom and I would literally hear him like talking to himself. And that was like when we were together, but um, the moods that would go up and down and even the children would cry one minute, he's nice. And the next he's me, then he's nice again. I mean, it just would break my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I did see some of it, but not all of it, but something that still stands out is he would say, um, and when he was trying to be coercive and trying to control things, mm-hmm. he would say, well, I'm a good provider, right? I'm a good provider. And I've always been hardworking and always been independent. So that term really didn't ma- matter to me because I was self-sufficient anyway. Mm-hmm. But he'd say, but I'm a good provider. Um, and that was how he would try to control things. I can provide for the kids. He would try to control by reinforcing kind of like, uh, a, f- a fantasy of sorts or a kind of um, beholdenness mm-hmm. that he would present uh, to me. So um, sometimes, you know, I could, I would look the other way. I'm like, well, he is taking care of his kids. And, but at what, but then when I look back mm-hmm. at what cost, right. I think about what cost, at what cost. Well, you also mentioned that, you know, you had had a hernia surgery. Oh my God. Yes. He mm-hmm. went after you and, yeah. and he was arrested, mm-hmm. but then somehow he got you to drop the charge. Yes. Well, he was arrested for attacking me and oh, it was just the worst thing in the world because my daughters literally had to help me out of bed because he would, he went, he went to the basement of the home and said, if you need anything, text me, but don't ask for me after a certain hour. Don't ask me for anything for the rest of the night. So I literally needed someone to help me ambulate out of the bed and my daughters would help me. And he, um, I had given the girls a bath and, um, he asked me, did you wash their hair? Did you wash their hair? He would obsess over their hair. It was just so bizarre. Mm. And, I, I didn't answer. And then one of the oldest ones said no. And then he grabbed the younger one out of, away from me. And he was going to take her and stick her head under the water. I knew she would have been injured. Ugh. And I stepped because he was in such a, a crazy, you know, frame of mind. And I stepped in front of him and he shoved me, caused my stitches to, un, to, oh, no. un, to, to get loose. And, um, using my dog is trying to oh that's okay oh, he is. <laughs> the shade. oh so yeah i wish he was here because she would have kept him in this place <laughs> he wouldn't have so much control that's a beautiful dog <laughs> thank you it's ivy thank Aww. you so 
at any rate, um, <laughs> so yeah, so um, she, so when he, sh he shoved me, um, he had grabbed me around the neck or something and um, I called the police and um, he was arrested. But when he got there, he, he admitted, he told the police officer, he said, look, you know, I did that to her, but that's not assault. And the police said it is assault. And they took him away. And then um, he, he, he said he, when he went there, he ch filed charges against me and said, I assaulted him. And that's why he assaulted me. The only re thing I did is just stood in the way so he couldn't have gotten the younger daughter. She was like five, four or five. I'm like, no, you, this just can't happen. And he um, picked, uh, he tried to pick her up, but again, I, I stepped in the way and he, um, that's when he attacked me. So he gets, gets, to, gets to, gets before the commissioner and the commission tells the commissioner, I, I, I attacked him and he countercharges me and it tells me, um, cause at the time I was a professor and, you know, I'm like, what could potentially happen? This is a false charge. He said, well, you shouldn't have charged me. If you didn't charge me, I wouldn't have charged you. And um, I, he says, well, I won't drop the charges unless you drop yours. So he pretty much manipulated me to drop the charges based on that threat um, of the implications of what could happen, even though they were false. And I said, they're false. He said, well, you shouldn't have charged me and I wouldn't have charged you. His manipulation tactics are, they're, they're just so, uh, yeah. Yeah. He just, he was just way out of control. Yeah. 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 And even in the present day, every now and then he tries to gain leverage because he tries to gather information so he can try to use it to his advantage. Mm -hmm. um, like my daughter needing surgery, not letting me know that she got it but lying about when she needed it. This is the eldest one who's still on my insurance and can be until she's 26, she's 24 now. And mm -hmm. lying saying, oh, she already got the surgery, but lying so that he could get the information to know what a uh, part-time place is offering me insurance. And it's just so he could find out and he's gone to my workplace too. Um, create problems, smear me, that sort of thing. Yeah, it's just, you know, um, whenever he would call you as well, mm -hmm. he would get all belligerent. Sure. And now he texts through a third party. Exactly. And that's how we're in contact. And that's the only way mm -hmm. I can really engage with him. There's just no other way. Um, yeah, there's, there's just no other way. I've tried, mm -hmm. I've, you know, try emailing, try calling, hang, he hangs up, curses, constantly says, the kids want nothing to do with you. You're such a horrible mother. Those kinds of things hurt deeply because the kids were unjustly taken and mm -hmm. particularly the older one and given to him. If you could see the conditions his home was in and underage kids having sex in his home and drugs and alcohol with underage kids in his home, you could see all of that proof and the judge just allowed it to happen by not letting it mm. play out in her courtroom. You could see that. It's just, 
and and also this is one other thing too in my case is that the best interest attorney which we did not need mm-hmm. was the wife of his former constitutional uh, law attorney I mean a law professor excuse me her the best interest attorney is married to his former my ex's former constitutional law professor um just uh a conflict of interest all over the place and even coercive control in another instance where the last time we were in court where he was misleading and saying oh i'm not working so i have to change this uh, child support order he had literally six more months for for my youngest to be emancipated but he said oh i have to change this um so i'm taking you to court again so he takes me to court and you know i you know what's discovered is that indeed he was still working he wasn't laid off mm-hmm. and um we needed financial information like he needed financial information from me so his attorney goes to the person at his bank or calls the person at his bank who's supposed to release the information and tells them that we no longer that the information was no longer needed. What doesn't go, it doesn't work that way. How can your attorney request and not request something that my attorney has requested? How can you undermine that request? Mm -hmm. So it, it, it also showed here he is trying to coercively control this process. And this is something unrelated, but, but sort of unrelated, but, but, but related one particular time. And I don't know how fate chose this, but he happens to be at the same zip cleaners that I am attending or that I'm, that I go to. And he smashes into this woman's car. I had no idea it was him because he had a new car. So I happen to be a witness. I don't know how fate chose this, honestly, but this is the closest zip cleaners and the one I always go to. He was there. So he starts, he gets out of the car, he starts taking pictures of part of the car that he did not damage. So the woman says, you saw this? I say, yes. She said, will you be a witness? I said, sure. I gave her my information. So she calls me, the woman calls me and says, I know you're a witness, but he has he lied with the pictures I said what do you mean she said the pictures he took was not part of the car that he damaged and of course I had to give you know a statement or whatever and here he was even then coercively trying to control a situation that he was at fault at he Mm -hmm. hit that woman's car he backed into it he damaged it and took pictures that were that that were very um uh, 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 misleading mm-hmm. to make it look mm-hmm. like he was not at fault, but still the same pattern of behavior, even outside of my interaction with him, with someone else. Yeah, I'm, wouldn't that be insurance fraud for him? Yeah, to- he, absolutely. He was frauding the judicial process, mm-hmm. so his fraud knows no limits. Mm-mm. None. That's you know, uh, sociopathic mm-hmm. behavior where they're, they've got no accountability and they yes. entitlement mm-hmm. and not mm-hmm. caring about other people, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, and, mm-hmm. and we were talking also that, um, 
apparently there was a, a counseling center mm-hmm. called Family Resiliency Center. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Um, and actually, I just want to back up. Reportedly, Gardner has some relationship with them because uh-huh. this started in an area where he lived, which was Montgomery County in Maryland. And supposedly it it has some relationship to them. Mm-hmm. He has some relationship to them. And you know who Gardner was, mm-hmm. Freudian all the way, uh-huh. believing that children or, or asserting that children, toddlers have sexual desires for their parents and so forth. So you know who Gardner is. Right. Yeah. And with, with this, what had happened, I guess your, your daughter had said something that she was thrown to the ground by him. Yeah. He picked her up and threw her because she had played with a lock and caused a door to be locked from the inside of another room. Mm-hmm. You know, when you, she's just trying to figure it out probably, and just it caused the door to lock and he picked her up and threw her. Mm-hmm. And now this, whoever was counseling mm-hmm. called CPS, but everything was dropped. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, it was it was dropped completely. There were two other people who called and it was dropped. Um, there was a time when my youngest daughter was in high school. She was in the ninth grade and she said she didn't want to go to her dad's house because there were drugs in the house that she was being coerced into using drugs. He manipulates and calls the, um, calls the police and says, there's an estrangement going on in my ex-wife's house and she won't let my, she's estranging me from my daughter and it's going to um, create, um, she's, she's violating a custody order. They believed her they believed him, not me. And they believed him and took her out by herself. And I didn't know you're not supposed to do that. You never let a police officer take your child out alone by themselves ever. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. So after they spoke with her by herself, she decided, mommy, I'll just go with daddy. So here was another example of coercive control, lying And I told the officers, my daughter wrote this letter. She says she's being coerced into using drugs over there. And um, indeed, they, they, she, she left with him, but using the police as a way to manipulate. And I think this old boy kind of thing, or this like fraternal kind Mm of um, attitude was in, was in place. And my kids are biracial. So, Mm -hmm. and he's Hungarian. So I think they're, may have been very well a racial element there because the police officers didn't look like me Mm -hmm. or my daughter so you know um all of those things gender Mm -hmm. was in play definitely um and and cultural uh differences was at play i believe and also his ability to just know how to manipulate Mm -hmm. and and through his coercive control and also he was probably, I mean, I'm assuming he probably knew a lot of people in the system. 
Um, I don't know if they particularly were fond of him because he tried to sue the police one time in my area. (laughs) So I don't know if they were particularly fond of him, but one, you know, officers, and I feel bad for them too, Mm -hmm. because they don't like having to respond to domestic calls. And Mm -hmm. a lot of the fatalities, a number of them, you know, take place in these domestic calls. Um, But yeah, I think also he had threatened them because I had given them the phone that had child pornography on it. Mm-hmm. And um, he um, and and um, he something happened where I remember my ex saying, you know, you're going to I'm going to make you pay for that. He did say that, but he also said it would be worth it to see me suffer. So that's another underlying motive to create the coercive control um but he certainly did take um i gave the police the phone but he threatened the police and said you don't have a warrant how can you take the phone and threaten them so they didn't want to be dealing with something messy that's my that's just my impression Uh but they also didn't know that i had given them the phone So if I gave them the phone willingly, that's something different from having a warrant Mm -hmm. to search the phone. You know, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So um, he, so it it was messy where they were concerned, not worth the bother. So I think that was a big part of it. So this whole pornography thing was swept under the rug. Oh, absolutely. And like I said, this, this, this ninth grader, I don't even know where she is, but she actually was probably instrumental in getting my um, daughter involved in some, some things, some nefarious things, because my ex would let her spend the night at her house. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, my daughter was into some things that, you know, you would certainly think, you know, wow, how did this happen? And a ninth grader, particularly, how could, does a ninth grader know how to make a pornographic film? How? Oh, yeah. And, and, and the judge not, not, you know, do something about it, the best interest attorney, not do her due diligence to make sure this was investigated. I mean, all of those things should never have transpired, but my ex managed to control the narrative and that's part of the coercive control discrediting me making me look like I'm crazy I'm a child abuser and um you know that's how he managed to keep the narrative however misleading Mm -hmm. away from the truth that reflected upon him and also like I said they're children who were harmed without a doubt eldest Mm -hmm. one to the youngest and also that child who was in the ninth grade geez yeah such child psychological abuse going on and these courts let him get away with it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah and to the, the the level of psychological abuse was the gaslighting oh that oh. didn't happen no no it didn't happen he didn't even do that with me no that's not, that didn't happen no that didn't happen Oh, and we had talked about how your oldest was self-harming. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And at one, and, but, but the thing is too, what he had hidden is that she was doing it at his house too. Mm-hmm. There were, there, there are pictures of, of her doing it at his house mm-hmm. as well. 
Mm-hmm. It, it's a way they deflect. Sure. <sighs> That's coercive control as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, your other daughter also was at a trip to Fort Lauderdale, Florida, mm-hmm. and she was given a car. Mm-hmm. How about that? What was that all about that she could only use it for three hours to see you? Right. No. Well, she came up from Fort Lauderdale by plane and she was in Maryland, mm-hmm. but the girlfriend loaned her her car and said, you can only use it for three hours. So even her extending, mm-hmm. you know, coercive control, because she's one of his flying monkeys, thinks that he, you know, is the best thing since sliced bread. And also I'm sure she's gaining some kind of benefit from, mm-hmm. from him. Um, so, I mean, she's very, she's not someone who men would be necessarily physically attracted to, I guess, you know, the intellectual part is, is a big thing. Um, but, um, and she's also grossly overweight where she was, at least when I had seen her. Um, but she's also someone who he would always make fun of because the kind of person she has the appearance of someone he would always make fun of. He was always fat shaming, mm-hmm. um, making remarks about, you know, people being, um, you know, having excess fat on them and that sort of thing. So again, I think there's some mutual benefit for, for both of them. Um, but to have his girlfriend um, say, tell my daughter, you can see your mom, but only for three hours because you only have my car for three hours. That was, I thought, another example of coercive control. And screwing around with this kid's mind. Yeah, exactly. Uh. Exactly. Um, because she now, and that was not the case because the he never wanted full custody of the younger one. He wanted sole custody of the older one. And that was the one who was mostly involved in the pornography kind of thing. Um, but um, the child pornography kind of thing, but he was very, very, very not interested in the younger one. They oftentimes would lock horns and um, yeah, she's very strong-willed, but for her to, um, I think a lot of it is the lure of the girlfriend and what she offers. You know, she has a beach house, mm-hmm. um, you know, and you know, that's the, she, my daughter, youngest daughter loves the, but loves the beach. But recently she did say to me, I came up to visit daddy and she said that she couldn't um, be alone with him because every inch of the house where she wanted to be with her dad, she was there. The girlfriend was there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I did say, I'm sorry about that, but unfortunate yeah um another issue example of coercive control is he is an expert not only at deflecting but also um making you feel beholden so the woman who represented him the last time we were in court um is a good friend of his girlfriend's now she's an estate attorney shouldn't have been representing him for um custody anyway but his girlfriend's a custody is is a family attorney so but they're good friends because I saw them you know I I learned that they're good friends 
So he is on the attorney grievance board. And when errant attorneys go, um, you know, do something they're not supposed to do, there's an attorney grievance board and they look into it and they investigate and they supposedly sanction the attorney. Well, he got her, the, the woman who was representing him, who's the friend of his girlfriend, a, um, well, he, he, he helped. He, he made a recommendation, it's reportedly, um, for her to be um, appointed in the attorney grievance board. So again, offering favors, making someone beholden to you through mm-hmm. favors um, may have transpired because this is what reportedly did take place. She tried to get a judgeship and um, there were people who opposed that, her getting a judgeship, but mm-hmm. she actually did get appointed to the attorney grievance board. Oh, geez. And, you know, something else going back to the schools, um, these school districts really uh, treat the targeted parent horribly. And something about the transcripts. Oop, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. There was, there was just something. Okay, yes, I'm here. Sorry about okay. that. Okay. <laughs> um, hold on. Oh, I can't hear you. I can't. Yeah, hear you. There, there was a warning. Um, oh. There's a storm warning coming. Oh. So, um, and I had to sort of. Okay. I so. Thought, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, um, he wanted to get my daughter's transcript, and that's the younger one. Um, and it was a private school, and he he threatened the school with a subpoena. And that's another example of coercive control because the subpoena would have no standing because he has had no case um, that was that he had taken against a school. So threatening them with a subpoena um, was woefully inadequate and not something that, um, as I said, had no standing because he didn't have a case against a school. So um, trying to coerce him to act in a way that he wanted mm-hmm. through the threat of subpoenas is certainly coercive control. Mm-hmm. You know, these schools don't, uh, you know. It's funny, the private school didn't take his, didn't, didn't put up with his nonsense, oh. but the public school did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it's a shame that they listen to one parent's side and mm-hmm. they just quickly make a judgment. Yeah. And then the target parent is, is just treated so poorly. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I think because they get, it's sort of like someone says, you got to get in front of the narrative. You got to get in front of the story. You got to get in front of the story. You got to preempt. And I guess that's the case. I mean, maybe it's the nature of people to believe information that they hear first. Um, mm-hmm. it's hard to, that's hard to figure out. That's an enigma to me. Mm-hmm. Because I talk to a lot of parents and they're very frustrated with the school system, mm-hmm. treating mm-hmm. them so poorly. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, well, even in my case, my mm-hmm. ex commanded a meeting of nine teachers and the principal. <laughs> I, I didn't know it. Like, how do you do this? 
uh, like all what these nine <laughs> teachers are packed into the principal's office while he pontificated. And then I'm here driving down Route 20 and I get a call from the principal saying, why weren't you at this meeting? I said, what meeting? Mm -hmm. didn't did your ex tell you about a meeting? And I said to him, why would he tell me about a meeting? <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. this is what a lot of parents need to know is that mm -hmm. when you are the target parent, you mm -hmm. will be treated so poorly by the mm -hmm. school system. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And more of that needs to be explained or, or actually, you know, there needs to be like some kind of policy on the school level mm -hmm. um, that says that, you know, these are mandates mm -hmm. that these, this communication takes place. Not that you, and some of them will say, well, you don't, you're not going to get us in the middle because that's what one principal said. Mm -hmm. Just do your job. I'm not asking you to get in the middle. I'm asking you to do your job. Mm-hmm and and be equitable and 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 just equitable mm -hmm. how you're interacting with this parent and also you would think well i don't know maybe these people don't know because they haven't gone through this but mm -hmm. when when the principal said well didn't he tell you right well, the principal should have called us each up individually mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. said there's gonna be a meeting at 11 o'clock both of you mm -hmm. be there why or sent an email mm-hmm mm-hmm communicated right right with both parties knowing that they're divorced mm -hmm. typical mm -hmm. yeah and i'm sure you know using your kids to hurt you mm -hmm. these people get a lot of pleasure out of mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and also too like he swings you know that um thread in people's face i'm a lawyer so there are some people who are like, you know, I don't want to have to deal with this. He's a lawyer and no, I don't have to deal, you know, they feel that they will want to acquiesce even more to the demands or this person is forceful or this person's litigious, mm -hmm. you know, um, you know, then they, they, they acquiesce more. Yeah. I, I, I just wish that they would be so intimidated when someone says, well, I'm a lawyer. Yes. And uh, well, you know, who follows the law anyway? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, I've yet to see a judge follow the law. I'm sorry. Yeah. Or the rule of law, the rule of right. Law. Exactly. Or the canons. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and the thing exactly. is, our kids have suffered dearly under these um, control freaks. Oh, sure. Absolutely. And that also includes, well, not only the exes, but the, the judiciary. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I agree. You know, and has this affected your job at all or? Well, there were some, room? there were some volunteer opportunities that I had to step away from because he had tried to smear me in those um, opportunities that I had. Um, in the community, um, there's um, a large um, event that we have where we celebrate um, women and we have sponsorships. So we've lost some sponsors. Mm. Um, and, you know, he's gone directly to them. Um, we had outdoor boxes. Um, and that's one thing that I learned is you never give too much information ever, ever, ever. And suddenly the outdoor boxes that um, where our magazines are a place where we 
you know, um, pay for permits to have disappeared. They mm-hmm. disappeared specifically to places where I mentioned disappeared. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it interfered with my commerce um, in terms of the, the business and also um, standing with some of our sponsors. Yeah. Yeah. That's really, you know, I listen to both sides of the story. I don't know why people just take one side and mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. go along with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's something else too with the coercive control. My ex, and I'm so glad I still have the um, the uh, police report when he, the arrest report, but he certainly uh, did everything he could to um, shield. He shielded the uh, case when he was arrested, mm-hmm. um, the domestic violence assault case, he shielded it. Mm-hmm. So people try to look at it and say, it's shielded. I can get an unshield. I need to talk to someone as to how to do it. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, he has it shielded now. And that's another example, coercive control. Hey, I'm going to cover myself. So when you bring it up, then I say, well, what case? It's well shielded. I can't, don't really know. But I had the police report. Here it is. He was arrested. Mm-hmm. This call ended in an arrest. Here it is. But well, he's still stalking. This is a stalking. He, he's still bothering you to this day. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think this will be. May, this might be the last of it with my daughter needing the insurance. But the fact that he need he he was misleading and getting that information mm-hmm. was just his way of learning where this insurance was you know, what, what um, organization this insurance was associated with. In fact, he even got the younger daughter to call mm-hmm. and she confirmed, oh, so this insurance is with this particular uh, part-time position. Um, that's where this insurance is. And why would she ask that pointed question if it wasn't needed at that moment? He made it sound like, and he said, I need it right away. I need it right away. And it was just his way to garner information. So I don't know what he's going to do with it, but um, I know it was for nefarious means because the surgery and the need for it was needed weeks prior to Mm -hmm. his trying to gather that information and to get the daughter to ask a pointed question about it. So that is a form of stalking. (laughs) And I, I don't quite know how to deal with it. I don't know if to get a restraining order, to mm-hmm. get a cease and desist. I don't know. But I need to also find out if there's some way that he has contacted some some people behind the scenes. I need to find that out, too, because mm-hmm. I think he may have done that. Mm. I'm so sorry you're going through this. Uh... Yeah, for, I mean, I divorced him in 2013. Here we are yeah yeah like t- 10 years later yeah still still going on and he's yeah. with another one i mean he's he has a i think she's they're married now i mean they're together so mm-hmm. they live together so it's like you're even in a different county than i'm in different jurisdiction you know well it, you would think that would be an insult to her if he's still obsessed with you you would think so. And I did go to my, he came to my uh, 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 relative's uh, funeral and I saw him there. And um, 
you know, he tried to, uh, you know, I tried to talk, talk to him about the girls. And even then he was still being disingenuous. And I mentioned, I said, you know, the elder one should, you really need to look into getting her into rehab. And I said, my insurance will pay for it. So, he, and I said, he said, well, I said, cause she won't, cause we're not interacting. I said, because you, you know, haven't encouraged that. And whenever he lies, his voice always goes up an octave. And he says, I always encouraged the girls. I did, I always encouraged them to be with you. And, you know, even mm-hmm. there at someone's, you know, you know, you can't even do the decent thing, you know, having no decency, even at someone's funeral. Um, but that's just the sociopathy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, and it's like, these young people need to know these red flags. Oh, sure. They really do. Cause my daughter, eldest one has it really bad. She's been so maltreated by her dad. I mean, literally dad would pull her by the hair and throw her into the closet and call her brain dead bitch. Literally take, call her repeatedly. And that's how he was. He would just say it over and over and over again. He would call her a filthy animal. That's what he would do to the older one. Whenever someone has mistreated her after months have passed, she'll go back to them and say, oh, can we be friends again? That's what the oldest one does all the time. So absolutely. And that's something he would do in our marriage after he's been abusive, choking me at five months pregnant, Mm -hmm. um, says to me, oh, um, I just, I didn't realize you were pregnant. Oh, Oh, um, he's gone with me to, because I was a high risk pregnancy. He's even gone to me, gone with me to, sonograms and so forth oh I didn't realize you were pregnant oh I just touched your neck oh you know Mm -hmm. all you know different kinds of ways to explain the behavior away and I'm sure that's what he did with the girls I'm sure with the younger one still with her frontal lobes not being developed so she can make executive decisions Mm -hmm. that's all she knows well he did take care of me and she even said to me he I deserved it mommy that's what she said to me and the the relationship she's in very abusive I I think I mentioned how the boyfriend was driving this golf cart recklessly deliberately she falls out cracks her front teeth has road burns on her arms and her legs Mm. Um, and she said we were drinking for most of the day and that's when that happened so again the behavior the coercive control and also one thing that also happened with the coercive control is he was constantly playing fast and loose with the custody order. Even when an order was in place, he would break it and keep the daughter, the older one with him. And then eventually she said, oh, I want to be with daddy. Or you're trying to break up my relationship with daddy. So constantly keeping him, her, the older one with him and that created a pattern and the judge just proxy, you know, just wrote off on it and said, you know, we're going to keep things as they are. She didn't write an order. She didn't write an order, but she just said, I'm making an executive decision. I'm going to let the older one just stay with him because that pattern has been established, even though he broke the order, he broke it twice. So again, coercive control, breaking custody orders, creating a pattern. So a judge will acquiesce to 
him breaking a pattern and violating an order. You would think it would be a red flag to a judge when a parent only wants one of the kids. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because this was tried on me. He only wanted the one mm -hmm. and the judge wasn't buying it. Oh, well, that's a good for, thing. Yeah. For once, she was actually using her brain. At mm -hmm. that point. But um, <laughs> that was probably the only time. But yeah, I mean, that's just so bizarre. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I, I would just go over in my mind and I stopped, mm -hmm. but there was a time when I just couldn't figure out, like, if, if I was a drug addict, if I was like the Turpin family in California who kept their kids starved and chained mm -hmm. up, if I were an alcoholic, or if I threw scalding water on the children, I could understand, but mm -hmm. I, I was none of those things. So no, to just acquiesce to, and, and also there was proof that of what was going on. It's like, mm -hmm. here you have visuals and you still don't responsibly respond to protecting these girls and it's off affected their futures. Absolutely. The younger one is in Fort Lauderdale, part of some cult. Mm -hmm. The older one did graduate from university of from a university she has a degree in psychology and criminal justice but um she's he's 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 angry with her because she won't go to law school he says she keeps she keeps screwing around so he says at the funeral she's supposed to have taken the LSATs and gotten into law school he keeps saying that but with a drinking problem how is she going to do that and also she's trauma bonded mm -hmm. So that's another thing. So, you know, those things will have to be worked out before she can pursue something like that. Absolutely. You know, what a shame to be so um, caught up and obsessed with your ex that you take it out on your kids. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. destroy their futures yeah. through child psychological abuse. Yes, yes. Absolutely. And also take it, tearing them away from their mother. That is a form of abuse. Absolutely. You have torn a part of that child away from themselves. So you're creating that dissociation. And that's what my eldest does. She dissociates mm -hmm. from when she was younger. Someone pointed out to me, look, your daughter needs help. And I got so upset with her and I barely spoke to her, but you know, she was right at that time. She did need help. And I wasn't, I was getting her counseling, but I wasn't zero in zeroing in on that tendency mm -hmm. where she would just deny things that were right in her face. And I think there was a reason for that. Cause she was at one point she was having day wedding accidents mm -hmm. and you know what that can be a sign of. And, you know, that was also the time that he had taken, you know, inappropriate photos of the girls in compromising positions and you know but he was determined to pretty much have that one with him um and but then sharing the younger one full custody of one sharing the younger one and that would only be on weekends and then when she needed him pretty much like to take her on college visits or whatever he he was with his girlfriend and pretty much leaving them alone to their own devices in another you know, jurisdiction or county. What a shame. And it seems like there are more of these personality disorders out there, more so than there ever have been. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Absolutely. And, you know, this is why we're here to hopefully help educate other people Mm -hmm. about these personality disorders so they Mm -hmm. don't fall into the trap you and I both fell into. Mm -hmm. But also, you know, knowing that there's mental illness going on, he had all kinds of letters that were going to come out in court of his psychiatrist saying that he needed to see a psychiatrist. He implored him to see another psychiatrist, treating psychiatrist, if he didn't see him. So having that information in place, and it's recommended by the evaluator, why did you allow unfettered access, him to have unfettered access to a child who was vulnerable? Mm -hmm. It just made no sense. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. You know, you just... You just don't know, or you wonder when these people are going to snap out of hurting your children, but yeah. they just never do. Yeah. And <clears throat> there are spouses that play along with this. Mm-hmm. And that certainly is the case with his current mm-hmm. um, companion. And one particular day, um, she reported to my daughter's school, and I told her to leave. She, one, wasn't her mother. She wasn't, you know, she didn't have you know, any standing really to pick my daughter up from school and I'm there. And um, it was just not a, a pleasant situation. It's like, you know, how, how do you interfere like this? You undermine me as her mother. I mean, mm-hmm. how would you like if I came to your school, at your daughter's school and you told me to leave and I stayed and I took your daughter with me? She couldn't even answer me. But you know, she, she wanted the girls, the girls were signing documents and I don't know what documents they were signing, but she took the older one the day before and the younger one the next day. And I don't know, he was in the hospital for a heart attack after I told him I had found mm-hmm. some very, very um, suspect material. Um, and he had a heart attack like two or three days later. Hmm. And she took them both to the hospital to sign documents and papers. And I don't know what that was about. Mm-mm. I'll never know. But um, huh. I, now I, it does make sense why she was so persistent in getting my daughter in the car with her saying, you know, you may not see your dad again. You need to come with me. I had, yeah, <laughs> I have no idea, but it was very odd. Mm-hmm. Oh, geez. And a family law attorney. And there was an article written about her where she's collaborative law. That's what she does, collaborative law. Yeah. 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 She's collaborating <laughs> with your ex to destroy your kids. Right. In my relationship with them. Absolutely. Oh, uh, yeah. She's done that very well and very successful contract. at that. Yeah. Instrumental, definitely instrumental in creating the chasm and 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 creating a wider chasm absolutely oh my gosh yeah without well, question well i'm glad we spoke and i'd like to have you come back on again oh i'd love to yeah most definitely um if there's any advice you could give anyone out there when they notice these things happening in the beginning of of their marriage maybe or mm-hmm. Even if they've been married 10 years and something starts happening, what would you tell them? Well, one thing I would say is um, I, th- I, I think it would be helpful 
to check into their history, find out if there's a, if they have no relationship with other family members, Mm -hmm. find out if they're standing in the community, Um, go, even if they're from out of town, find a best friend that they may have um, to um, further check into their stories and who they really are. But one thing that my ex would say would, it's not the worst thing in the world if we part, because I get now and then I get really crazy sometimes. So he said now and then I, he would say it now, not with frequency, but he would say it from time to time. So what? Now and then I get a little crazy sometimes. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, I definitely see. Yeah. And the thing about my daughter getting counseling, the younger, the older one is he he has a history in his family of women, the men putting women in psychiatric hospitalizations. And he even cornered me and said, I want to know who your psychiatrist is. I want to know what medication you're on. Uh, It clearly wasn't the case with me, but I'm concerned that that may be happening with my daughter, the gaslighting, Mm -hmm. then saying, you got to be on this medication, then him, feeding information a narrative to the therapist and they're not having any idea of what's truly transpired I've thought about getting in contact with them but then I thought you know that might be too intrusive and that may you know further create more of an estrangement Mm -hmm. but I thought about that because I don't know how they can help them if they don't have the 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 story in it in its entirety right well thank you but i would certainly say Mm -hmm. definitely just look for telltale signs in the beginning and if you don't have a good lawyer in the beginning it's better to delay it Mm -hmm. than have someone who is making mistakes in the beginning and even if you're in mid-trial get Mm -hmm. rid of them because you'll suffer in the end because the one person who told me to get this one attorney in the beginning he was the one who Help me save my house. And I got him in the end. See, that's that's good advice because a lot of people, and see, a lot of people, even when they're in mid trial, they think the attorney's doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. 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 Um, because probably they're so traumatized, they're even yeah. in a courtroom, but they're relying on this attorney to yes. mm-hmm. do their and job. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the best thing you can do is also have another advocate with you. Like what you mentioned in the beginning, there's an organization that you mentioned in the beginning. These are people we need in place and women need to know about them. And I'd love to talk to you later about that because mm-hmm. perhaps we can promote them on our through our publication. This is what women need to know about. Had I known they existed, I probably would have you know, uh, connected with them. And to see, because you need someone who with discernment, who's by your side as well, Mm -hmm. while you're going through this kind of divorce. Right, right. Especially when CPS is called or mentioned, even mentioned, and that's a kind of Mm -hmm. a threat when someone mentions that to you, then, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. you should be really on the line to Mm cpsprotect.com and also get an ADA advocate Mm -hmm. as well, perhaps. Mm -hmm. You say ADA advocate? Yes. Okay. Because if your kids are not, um, don't have disabilities, how could the ADA advocate? Well, they would also help you. uh, Just even setting foot into a courtroom. Mm -hmm. Mm 
mm-hmm. creates PTSD. Oh, sure. Okay. I, I see what you're saying. Yes. And it absolutely does because your executive functions are just out of the window. Right. It's, right. It's just non-existent when you're going through a divorce with this kind of person. Right. Yeah. So oh, we have, have so that. much. Yeah. We have so much to talk about in the next podcast. Yes. I have you on. <laughs> well, Marianne, I wanted to say in closing also that when I think of the most extreme example of coercive control was when my ex would wait and watch my events that I would have um, outreach events or public events I would have to cel- celebrate um, other people in the community. Um, these events, um, galas or other receptions, he would have me in court either the day of or the day before, I guess, to make me, uh, cause me to feel discombobulated mm-hmm. uh, or and distracted. Or he would have me in court on our anniversary or the day of the event, uh, the day before the anniversary, or the day after. These were the tactics of coercive control that mm-hmm. he would engage in. And, and of course, I, it was distracting. Absolutely. Oh, yes. Because, and, and as we were talking earlier, that they do this on certain anniversaries. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and or birth dates. I've heard mm-hmm. other parents say that, their birth mm-hmm. dates, certain mm-hmm. anniversaries. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's kind of so evil mm-hmm. it's beyond Absolutely. evil mm-hmm. it would be and and I recall on my birthday yep um there was something that he did right before my birthday or on my birthday so yeah these were things that were milestones in my life where he would try to create havoc and it was a pattern of it so it wasn't just once here and there it, there was certainly a pattern and particularly what made me feel that there was a pattern is with the events that I was holding mm-hmm. the day of really, how did you know it was the day of, I mean, why would you have it on this particular day versus this particular day? Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's there, certainly a pattern. And people need to be aware of that. And sure. Sure. Totally and also and be aware of it and say, okay, we have to change this. Right. You know, you, you flip it. Well, you flip I want to thank script. you so much for the work that you do on behalf of others. And you're just fantastic. Um, and the way you have just risen like a Phoenix bird above the ashes to do the work that you do. It's just phenomenal. And I'm glad we have you on the planet. Oh, we need more you. of you. Thank you. I told you, you make me cry. <laughs> <laughs> Well, hey, uh, don't jump off. It's Slam the Gallows, the podcast to help the public understand what really goes on in these family courtrooms. I'm your host, Marianne Petrie, author of Dismantling Family Court Corruption, Why Taking the Kids Was Not Enough, and Cry Out for Justice, Poems of Truth. And the third book, Raised by These Wolves, will be coming out in a couple months. And join us again here with Jocelyn Wolf and other exciting guests.